Hey, traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Wednesday, February 9, 2022. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Well, here's what we have. We're going to take a look at the daily chart, and we're going to talk about the thing that's jumping off the page, and then we're going to discuss some of the possibilities going forward. So here we have the same thing that we've been discussing is actually taking place. It's funny how this works. So we have an A leg up, a B leg finds a bottom, and all of a sudden here comes the C leg. It will complete officially once it's above the high of the A leg. What is the high of the A leg? It's 458.12, and the high today happens to be 457.88. So they made a run for it. They didn't quite get there. However, truth be told, I didn't think they would actually get this high on the first run. So the gap up is no surprise. There's a gap over here that was filled this morning. That comes in at 455.50 as far as I'm concerned on the daily chart. I understand the difference in how we look at gaps. I'm just talking about the space in between. Call it the body of the candle. Either way, they went up and filled the gap if you're counting it at 457.35. So the question is, what happens from here? Well, here's the way I look at it. Price was not rejected at all today. You look at an hourly chart, it was not necessarily a gap and go, even though they went higher, but it was more of a gap and creep. There was no rejection anywhere today. There was some pullbacks But rejection, meaning if price runs up into an important spot and it gets rejected, you'll see something like this pretty quick. It doesn't have to be huge. It just has to be a rejection that can be identified on the chart. In this case, we don't have anything like that. So what does that tell me? That tells me that the destination is somewhere else. Now, here's what I originally thought. And it doesn't really matter because I didn't discuss it. But the concept is this. I figured they were going to do this ABC thing and complete somewhere up here. Maybe at the 50-period moving average, maybe over the 50-period moving average, maybe a lot higher. We don't know yet. I have an ultimate prize in mind. I'll give you a hint. It's higher than we are right now. But my original concept in my mind was they were going to come up to this area, get rejected, make traders think, people think, whoever think that it was a double top, they start back down, and then they make another run for it a little bit later. However, they're staying up here. We don't know how they're going to open in the morning. Maybe they push through. Maybe they open lower. But nevertheless, we have seen no rejection from this area thus far. So my mind is leaning toward the destination, at least on this push higher, is not necessarily where we were today, but somewhere north of where we were today. What else do we have? Well, we're getting close to what? The next big fat round number, 460. The closer price gets to these numbers, the more magnetic they become, the more price gets pulled into those numbers. So as long as we're pushing above this 458.12, this pivot top over here, then it really does open the door for 460 and potentially higher. There's another gap up here above the 50 period moving average. So there are places which are important But at this point in time, until I see the market react at a certain place, I'm going to wait for it or her to tell me where the destination is. 
Just to refresh some things we discussed over the last couple of videos, the 240 chart, we had that low, they put up a big breakup candle, or not necessarily a big, but a breakup candle. They were eating time off the clock, running some tests, but they were essentially making a bullish, flaggish pattern, call it a wedgish pattern, call it anything you want, inside of that low, and guess what? We had the same but different routine on the 120 chart. We had a breakup candle, they ran a test of the low yesterday, that was in fact low of day, and here we are. And yes, that was yesterday's blockbuster trade. Was there a blockbuster trade today inside the numbers? Not in the SPY, it was a gap and creep. There's not much traders can do with that. What they do when that happens is take away the opportunity from day traders. That's just the way it is. We've seen that before, we'll certainly see that again. So from an SPY perspective, there really was nothing we could do with it from an opportunity standpoint. However, what I'm gonna do is let you read the notes, pause the video, go back to the chart to double check the work. When you see the market trade in a rather narrow range or tight range most of the day, you know that there was not a lot of trading opportunities in that particular vehicle. So guess what? We had to end early. However, what about stocks on the move? Guess what? We have something for everybody. Some days you get trades across the board. Some days you get only stocks on the move. Some days you might get a stock on the move, but you get a juicy SPY trade. You never know what you're gonna get walking in the door. We had four potentials on the board, and believe me, that's not bad considering we had a gap and creep today. We had CVS, big, YUMC, which is Yum China, and Lyft. Big, didn't hit its price target or entry objective, it's off the board. We are gonna take a look at the other three charts, even though CVS says jump target. So we'll start with that one. It was getting a haircut at the open, we had two numbers on the board. The opening print today was 106.46, which was well below the 107.74. They ripped back up to that level, to that price and above, having immediately come up short of the second price, 106.25. So you can see what happened here. This really takes away the trade. When they start bouncing around and missing the spots, it changes the risk profile of the trade. It changes the opportunity. This one was really off the board. How about Yum China? So this number was on the board bright and early, zero dark 30, 4465. And as you can see, low of day was exactly 4465, rocket ride in the other direction. This is one of those, you gotta be kidding me. You never know when these are gonna show up. The numbers work. And if that wasn't enough, how about lift? 3888 on the board, zero dark 30. What was low of day? How about 3880, rocket ride in the other direction, the rest is history. Another, you gotta be kidding me. Apples plus a how you doing equals the numbers work. You just never know what you're gonna get inside the numbers, whether it's an SPY or a stock on the move, you just don't know walking in the door. Did I mention that? What's going on over in Camp IWM? above the 20 period moving average. And the one thing that we do want to note is where this was on the chart, relative strength over the last couple of days against the S&P 500, we noted it, and here we are. I suppose 191 was support. And those of you that have watched these for some time that saw me put the 191 on the board, I showed you how we did it. 
It's another thing that's right out of the course, lazy e-mini trader. There are many different ways to find numbers. When you come up with the same or similar numbers using a variety of different ways, what you have on your hands is a bingo. And then you look back after the fact and say, hey, wait a minute, how come I didn't take that trade? Well, we kind of did. We just took it in the SPY. By the way, I wanted to bring up one more thing in the SPY on the weekly chart. Now, we've looked at this also before, but just to reiterate one more time, we have a big breakdown candle. Now, they ran a test last week of that high, close enough, 458.12, and the high here is 459.96. So they came close. Question now is, when they're back up at that area, because they came close before, are they going to blow right on through, or is it going to be the same resistance as if they weren't there yet? It's an area to watch. It coincides with the big fat round number. It's where the market fell apart. It's an important area. What about the folks down at the transportation department? They're doing the same thing the other markets are doing. It's just a compressed version of the same thing. You've got the A, the B, and the C in progress, not yet above the high of the A leg. It looks just like the S&P 500. Remember the cues we talked about it last night? They were lagging the S&P. So what we said was, is the S&P going to get above that high, allowing the cues to get up to fill this gap? That appears to what's been or is now taking place. That said, nobody's really surprised at any of this price movement. How about the financials? Nothing wrong with the financials. Looks like they went up and filled the gap. They pulled back from filling the gap. Doesn't mean they're going to collapse. It's just a pullback from filling a gap. We talked about them filling the gap, and so what they did after that was filled the gap. About Smash Mouth, they're ahead of the power curve. Big day today, up almost 4%. They've completed the C leg officially above the high of the A leg. The next stop, how about 295? Don't forget, the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index is a good proxy for the tech space as a whole. The Qs have yet to fill the gap. These are already above the high of the A leg. Relative strength, relative strength in the IWM, relative strength in the transports. The stuff around the horn is telling us there's still some higher numbers coming to a chart near you. We've got extra time on our hands, so let's review some additional charts. Talk about a few other markets. Weekly chart, 10-year interest rate. This is what I'm looking at. I've brought up this chart before. This is a breakout. It's not going to move all the way up in one shot. This line represents an important spot, but it's not that they're going to get there anytime soon. This is a longer term number. Think about it like this. They're close to 2%. They're going to get to 2%. They're going to probably spike into 2%, and then they're probably going to pull back after everybody gets bullish interest rates. Once they go over 2%, they're going to start talking about 25 and 3%. Just when that happens, they'll start to pull back away from 2%. That's the way markets work. They ebb and they flow. Waves come in, waves go out. Cycles top, cycles bottom. There are short-term cycles, intermediate-term cycles, and long-term cycles. Think about it like this. The interest rates are in a long-term upswing from a long-term perspective. In that, you're going to have short-term cycles that send price 
or the rate of interest or interest rates back down. Short-term cycles, long-term cycles, they're all working together. There is a dominant cycle at the time, and they change over time depending on the short or long-term cycles. This is the 30-year interest rate. It's the same routine, it just looks different. This is a bullish chart. This is essentially a bullish type of pullback or wedge pattern or some kind of flag pattern. That's what this is from a long-term perspective. Here's the monthly chart. Here's the breakout on a monthly chart. And traders that have taken the course, lazy e-mini trader, will notice something interesting on the monthly chart. It bottomed on time. So guess what? Now, it just ran into the 50-period moving average, but it has yet to get to, after breaking above this trend line, yet to get to double top. But here's the way I'm looking at this from a long-term perspective. It's not going to happen all at once, but it's going to happen over time. This is a bullish pattern. This is breaking out. It's going to go like this over time. It may come back to retest this trend line. It's still going higher unless it comes back inside this trend line then something may change. We'll see what happens if it happens. So while interest rates are going up, the prices of bonds are going down. We've discussed this before as well. A slight rise in interest rates is generally positive for the banks, right? They get money to the bottom line by default. Their spread widens. They can borrow money for X and they can lend it for Y. If they have a floating rate interest loan on the books, and the person, meaning the customer on the other side, has to pay more because rates floated up, that goes right to the bottom line of the bank. They get a benefit by default. If longer-term rates rise and their cost of borrowing doesn't rise, again, same routine. They get extra profit to the bottom line just because rates moved and their borrowing costs did not, meaning the Fed's short-term rate stayed the same, but the longer-term rate is rising. That's a benefit to the banks up until the point in which it begins to impact the economy in a negative direction. Real estate, all kinds of capital equipment costs go up. That's generally a thing that slows things down. A rising interest rate environment is less liquidity in the system. It means liquidity is being pulled out of the system. That's a negative for the economy. It generally has a negative for the stock market. That's generally just the way things work. Don't take my word for it. That's just the way it is. It's like the sky is blue. Now, don't get me wrong. There's another piece to that conversation. So let's say rates rise and the economy starts to falter and the market starts to falter. But all of a sudden, rates normalize for a while and we're going long term. We're thinking down the road. Rates normalize. We have what's called a new normal and the market starts to recover. The economy starts to grow again from a new point. That's a cycle. And that's why in every market, no matter what we're talking about, you get upswings, downswings. Upswings, sometimes they go higher, sometimes they don't. You get both directions over time, and then you can fill in the blanks of what the story is after the fact. How about gold? I said before, I'll say it again, I continue to say it, it's a long-term uptrend. Pullbacks, are meant to be bought. Some of them might be sharp. You never know, they could come out of nowhere. But they're still holding my spot. The problem with gold from a long-term perspective is you have one of these candles 
or patterns inside of another one. Big breakup candle here, and then you also have a breakdown candle here, and you're making a bearish flag inside that breakdown candle. The question is, can they bust up to the top of that breakdown candle, which changes the look of the chart. It changes the makeup of the chart. If the bear side plays out, you're gonna test this bottom over here, this pivot low, 157, give or take. You get below that, and it's 150. Again, this is a monthly chart. It's nothing that's gonna happen by Friday. Silver doesn't look as good if gold looks good at all. Doesn't look as good as gold. It's a little bit on the weaker side. What they really have to do is get above this high over here, call it 22.20, and they can get going a little bit and challenge the 50-period moving average. But until or unless they do that, they're really in this dripping lower bearish pattern kind of thing below the moving averages, which if it starts to leak lower, it's going to want to test 18.50. Again, this is a weekly chart. It's not the monthly. It is the weekly, but it's still long-term. So again, nothing like this happens in one shot. About crude oil. A lot of people want to short crude oil. Other people think it's going to 100. Here's what we'll say right now about crude oil. It's in an uptrend. The trend is your friend until what? You got it. Until your crap gets thrown out the window. From a technical perspective, there's nothing bearish about crude oil right now. But it can get volatile and does get volatile around all the geopolitics stuff. Russia, the Ukraine. Anytime there's conflict discussion, oil's impacted. So can it get to 100? Sure, it can get to 100. It could spike up at any point in time. Get below $84, and I think that's the other side. I think that's where it turns bearish. Last thing I want to discuss tonight is first solar. So this was a swing trade from the lazy swing trader this week. So it worked this week. Thought it was going to work yesterday. It ended up working today. But that's not the point. Here's what I want to discuss because it has to do with trading around the opening bell. So let's say you have some options and you want to sell them at the open when the stock is up like $3 or $4 or whatever it is. You want to take the profit off the table. Here's a five-minute chart. Look what happens. All of a sudden, it starts going down. Looks like it's going to collapse. Looks like it's going to go fill the gap. All of a sudden, it turns back around. What causes this? Why does this happen? Is it the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew or something else? Well, this is an opinion because I don't really know exactly what it is. I can't prove one thing or the other. This is the way I think about it. It's getting a rally, a pop, a jolt higher at the open, a little bit of a rocket ride. Traders that are long, whether it's with options or the stock, they want to take some profit. So they become immediate sellers. That creates a brick wall up there. In today's case, around 74 you got a dumping of stock brigade going on for a few minutes, so the stock starts to scale down. The trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew get involved. They cause people that were waiting and didn't want to sell into weakness. They would rather sell into strength. They wanted a higher price. Well, they get scared out of it also because it looks like it's going to go lower and fill the gap. They're missing the opportunity. My take on this whole thing is it's the sellers that sell right at the opening bell. They have orders waiting to get filled. That causes this immediate decline. And by the way, if you've been around the market a while, you know I'm not telling you anything new. This isn't new information. I'm not making this stuff up. This is common sense stuff, but traders that haven't been around a while may not understand what's actually happening underneath the covers. But here's the other side. When you see the recovery and it ends up hanging around near the highs all day long and it doesn't give it up 
and go back and fill the gap. That's telling you that there's probably another leg higher. And the problem with the whole thing is you don't know which one is going to go down and fill the gap and which one is going to be the fake-out operation and go right back up. And by the way, I sold my option right at the opening bell. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I don't need the high print. I just want the profit. It was a nice, juicy profit. It did what I expected it to do. The trade was for a quick pop in a day or two. That was it. That was the entire trade. If it goes a lot higher, that's fine. If anybody holding, that's fine too. Just telling you what I did. Don't forget, I'm in the base hits put you in the Hall of Fame camp. And this was better than a base hit, but I want to lock in the profit. And by the way, the other reason why is because in my mind, I didn't think that the S&P 500 was going to blow through that gap today. I thought they would get rejected at the gap. And by the way, a lot of times they do get rejected at the gap. Today, they did not. That's just the way the market works. You just can't be right all the time. It's impossible. Ask my wife. I'm never right. And that, my friends, is a good place to pull the ripcord. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? And without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.